wonderful friends, welcome to Fate FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible, and where we look in the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Krita, the South Australian Regional Coordinator for Faith FM, and I'm very happy to be with you. Thank you for tuning in. We are still in lockdown here in South Australia, where we broadcasting from. Now, I know that it's difficult. Uh, maybe the sound will be a little bit different than usual, uh, but uh, thank God for technology. I invite our listeners to continue to send us some messages, even though we may not be able to respond to the message right away because of the uh, complexity of uh, the um, technology uh, aspect. But please don't hesitate to uh, send us uh, your text and the phone number where you can text us Again, it's zero four double eight double eight zero eight double one. Again, that number is zero four double eight double eight zero eight double one. And you can be part of this program with us. Send us a message, please. Listen to Faith FM anytime, anywhere with the free Faith FM app, available on the Apple App Store and the Android Google Play Store. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Uh, I guess we face no
Jimmy Needham with Great Is Thy Faithfulness. You're listening to Drive Time Big Q&A on Faith FM. I've just snuck in here. My name's Bradley. I'm actually a producer here at Faith FM, and I'm just trying to help out Nick this afternoon to try and figure out what's going on with some of these technical issues. Nick, are you still there? Uh, yes. Uh, let, oh, that's good. Let me see if you can hear me. Can you hear me? I can hear you coming through loud and clear, mate, which is absolutely what we want. <laughs> well, that's uh, wonderful, um, Brad, and thank you for uh, jumping in and um, helping us out because always, you know, with technology, you don't know what to expect. That's right. And, you know, it's just one of those things. It's the reality of the world that we live in now with coronavirus and lockdowns and people trying to work from home. It's just a, a funny old complicated thing. But we do try our very best to make sure Faith FM is still going to air as it should. So, Nick, do you want to try and see if we can have Mark join us now? That's what I was thinking, Brad. Just let's see if Mark is with us. Uh, Mark Wilson, can you hear us? I can hear you and happy to be part of the program this yeah. afternoon. Finally, Mark, you know, we are going to talk today about uh, who is the Antichrist. And I wonder if the Antichrist is doing something <laughs> to uh, jeopardize our program today. Uh, but good to have you with us, uh, Mark, today. Mark is a, a pastor here in uh, South Australia, um, pastoring at uh, Prospect International Church. And we had Mark before with us. And you like this type of programs, Mark, when we talk about prophecy. But today, definitely, it's a very special one. And uh, thank you to Brad that he was able to jump in with us to try to establish this uh, connection. And let's move on, um, um, Mark, and see what do you, what, what you can say about uh, who is the Antichrist? Yes, uh, Nick, this is, um, I guess, starting off um, the next few programs that we're going to have on Drive-By is dealing with the Antichrist um, in the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, writings of Paul, what the Bible says about it. So, um it's certainly a big subject, and I tell you what, Nick, it's, it is, um, well, it is, it's front page news as we speak uh, in certain places around the world. I noticed a, um, a couple of articles in the Washington Post talking about it because, you know, with the COVID, um, you know, we've had a lockdown and um, some problems, but 
today more and more religious people are talking about uh, our current pandemic and linking it up with uh, the biblical prophecies um, of the, the the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, and this sort of thing. And um, I tell you what, Nick, I, I just uh, downloaded an article from the Washington Post um, published not long ago, and um, just in July um, um, this year, and it talks about the, the, the number of Christian ministries with very large online followings that are making some claims that... Um, that the coronavirus vaccines contain microchip, microchips. Now, this is one of the, you know, um, conspiracy theory claims. Yes. Um, and suggesting how coronavirus vaccines and, and even wearing masks, face masks, um, uh, either contain or herald the mark of the beast um, spoken of in the book of Revelation. So all this has been linked up with the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and, you know, we might think, oh, this is just a fringe conspiracy theory. But evidently, this is um, capturing the attention of a large part of evangelical Christendom, especially in the United States and so on. Otherwise, it wouldn't be reported on in the Washington Post and CNN and a number of other um, quite prestigious um, publications um, in the US and so on. So it's very, very interesting, and, uh, of course, we're right on the money here this week where we're talking about this very subject. Absolutely, Mark, and, um, you know, uh, people can have all sorts of ideas about the, the mark of the beast or who the Antichrist is, but the Bible, actually, even though is not that much mentioned about Antichrist, but the Bible gives us very good insight about the mark of the beast and the activity. In this case, we're talking about today, who is the Antichrist? The activity of the Antichrist. What would you like to share in that regard? Nick, Nick, um, the idea of who the Antichrist is, is has been a question of all ages, hasn't it? And it's certainly mm-hmm. a hot question today in religious circles. Uh, it started with Nero. And, and there are a few around still believe um, Emperor Nero of Rome was the Antichrist. Um, he, he, he earned that title. Uh, another claim, uh, Nostradamus, you know, the writings of this mystic, uh, um, prophet, uh, Nostradamus. Uh, some have interpreted him to say Napoleon Bonaparte was the Antichrist. And, and later on during the war years, it was Hitler who was the Antichrist. Yes. Um, I read an article. I've even got a, a, a saw a book, um, titled Gorbachev. Um, has the real Antichrist come? You know, the uh, Mikhail Gorbachev from Russia who, uh, brought in perestroika and so forth. They said he was the Antichrist and the mark of the beast, they said he was the beast and the mark of the beast was the blotch on his head, his birthmark that was on his head. <laughs> then I, I noticed... Rem- I, uh, remember, I, I remember that mark because I was still uh, back in uh, <laughs> Romania under the communist regime, you know, and those things were very popular to look at Gorbachev and the mark of his forehead there. Yeah, well, we could say um, the last few years, um, I guess, um, uh, President Obama, he was labelled the Antichrist and books were written about him being the Antichrist. And then, of course, when Donald Trump came along, well, of course, he's copped it as well. So he's been labelled the Antichrist by some. And and so it goes on. Now we're into the coronavirus and that's all been hooked up with the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast and so forth. We've had um, uh, certainly a very popular view in Christendom has been this left behind. Uh, Tim LaHaye, Larry Jenkins, they um, 
produced a series of books called Left Behind. About 20, I think, have been produced. You know, million, multi-millions have been sold around the world. Um, the idea that the Antichrist is some uh, political, evil political individual in the last days and so forth. So really, look, in our subject today, with so much confusion and so many different voices and with wide followings around the world um, prognosticating on this subject, I think we need to have a moment of calm, just step back a bit, take a a few deep breaths and just step back and uh, have a prayer, open the Bible and see what God says about it. Because I think people are just making tabloid interpretations today that is just um, making the religious world or Christianity, even the Bible, look a bit silly. And uh, I think we need to have a good look at what the Bible has to say because I think it has something refreshing to say, something that appeals to our intelligence, to our common sense, um, something that makes sense. So I think that's our task today, Nick. Yes, absolutely, Mark. And particularly, uh, as you just pointed out, uh, when we see so much confusion today in the world and also in the political world, but also in the Christendom. Uh, there are lots of different views and talks about uh, this sort of things. And this is the time, like never before, to open the Bible, allow the Bible to explain and to interpret itself. I just want to mention that uh, uh, to our listeners who join us a bit later, that we are uh, doing this broadcast through Faith FM, Drive Time, Big Q&A. And if you join us a bit earlier, we had a few glitches into our uh, program because of the internet connection. And we are broadcasting from home because we are in the lockdown here in Adelaide, in South Australia. This is amazing to see, uh, Mark, the situation we are in and how people easily can be diverted to have all sorts of interpretation in regard to these important aspects in the Bible. Yes, indeed. Um, why don't we start with um, just what the Bible says about the Antichrist? It doesn't take long to explain that because the term Antichrist is only used four times in all the Bible mm-hmm. and only in the short letters of John. You know, in First John, Second John, um, the term Antichrist um, is actually used. And um, I'll give you one of these uh, statements. It's in Second John, the little these three little letters of John towards the back of the Bible, just before Revelation. We've got Second John chapter one verse seven, and it says this: Many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So, first thing that we can deduce from this, I think, Nick, is that. An antichrist, or the term antichrist, is given to some to, to a deceiver. Many deceivers have gone out into the world, more than one, um, who's confessed that Jesus is not coming in the flesh. Now, in the first century, in the early century, as Christianity got going, there, there grew a, a certain uh, heretical beliefs or beliefs that were different from the Christian gospel, saying that, you know, Jesus uh, didn't come... T- Truly, as a human, he, he only appeared to be human. This was Gnosticism, um, spiritualistic theories about Jesus and how he manifested upon the earth. Docetism was another idea that Jesus only seemed to have a physical body, but really he was just a pure spirit. So they were denying that Jesus had come in the flesh, you know, as a, as a real human, born and a real person. Um, and uh, John um, said that this is an antichrist. This, this is, you know, a, a, deceive, a, a deception. Mm-hmm. And he called that a view of the uh, of an antichrist kind of view. 
Um, he also mentioned a term uh, in First John, the first, his first letter. He says this, he says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, but then he said, even now, many Antichrist has come, by which we know is the last hour, and they went out from us. So John says two things. He says, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming in the future. But he says, even now, there are many here already, you know, and he has applied this to these false teachings that were around in the first, the early centuries as the Christian church tried to make, get some headway. Just on that one, because I think you, you touch on a very important aspect, because many views, some people thinking and saying, hey, anti, uh, the Bible talks about, and particularly John talks about that Antichrist was present in that time, it cannot be. Uh, talking about the Antichrist in, in the later days, like in our yes. time. But I think you explain here that Antichrist is not limited to look to one particular person or, um, Correct. Uh, you know, it's, it's something more than that. And that's where we are going to look into the Bible to identify the characters of I the th- Antichrist. I think that's a very good point to make, Nick, that, um, you know, the term Antichrist is just not the, uh, the just for one particular group or, you know, as John wrote about it, he said that many deceivers, so obviously an anti-Christ or anti-Christian teaching is a deceiving, a deception, um, misleading people away from the truth and so on. But what I find very interesting that John does mention twice, even though he only mentions anti-Christ four times, he, talk about, he talks about you have heard. He writes to the believers in his day, first century, you have heard that Antichrist is coming, but then he says, but there's already many Antichrists here already. So he talked about an Antichrist to come while there were also deceivers about um, in his day. So that's very important that um, John had an idea from the Bible that there was a great Antichrist to come in the future that they had heard from the Bible but then he said there are many many deceivers and false teachers, antichrists around in his day. Now, it is certainly true that the early church understood about a great antichrist power to come from the great prophetic writings of the Old Testament yes. and the writings of Paul. And, of course, we've got it in the New Testament as well. But I'm referring particularly to the great um, uh, depictions of the antichrist um, that the prophet Daniel refers to in Daniel chapter 7, for example, uh, which we'll talk about today, and Daniel chapter 8. Paul writes about the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians 2, and he talks about the man of sin. And then you have uh, something that I think the drive-by program is going to talk about tomorrow, is the, the, the beast from the sea, the prophetic picture of this beast power that rises up from the sea in the first 10 verses that is written there in Revelation chapter 13. And then we might also include the harlot woman uh, revealed in Revelation chapter 17. But first of all, Nick, let's just have a look at what Paul says, because he's commenting upon um, the prophetic descriptions of the Antichrist in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7 in particular. And this is what he says when he writes to the Greeks over in Thessalonica in his second letter there. And this is chapter 2 in the first um, few verses. It says, brethren, 
concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. He's speaking about the second coming. Um, Let's not be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if it was from us, as though the day of Christ uh, was at hand, you know. So there were people forging Paul's name to false letters claiming that Jesus has, has come or he's, uh, you know, imminent. His coming is very imminent. Mm-hmm. Then he goes on to say, let no one deceive you by any means for that day, the day of the second coming, the glorious return of Christ will not come unless there's a falling away that comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So Paul spoke about a great falling away from truth that would happen in Christianity, <clears throat> and this power called the man of sin would be revealed, be revealed. And then he says, this man of sin power opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And this is what one of Paul's, um, I guess, references to this uh, antichrist power. And it's very interesting that Paul says, that this power is going to try to take the place of God. Yeah, no, that, that's very interesting, uh, Mark, because as you uh, pointed out from Second Thessalonians, uh, the falling away. Now, many Christians today, they may say, hey, we are uh, uplifting the name of Jesus. We are talking in the name of Jesus. We are doing the things in the name of Jesus. But the falling away doesn't really mean that you'll give up Christianity. No. That you'll, uh, uh, you know walk away from Christianity and you will be, you know, whatever, um, atheist or whatever. I think falling away is to fall away from the truth of the Bible. That's very true, um, Nick. And look, I guess the the classic example of that, we could say that um, in various stages of Israel's history throughout the Old Testament, they had fallen away from the truth while still claiming to be God's chosen people, Mm -hmm. you know, and it seems that this is going to happen again or has happened again, even in Christendom, that in God's um, depiction of the, the church, that with a falling away would come and the Antichrist would arise from this falling away from truth. Um, a power would arise. And it, and it shows himself that he is God. He sits in the temple of God. And, and you know, the Bible calls the, ch- the Christian church. Uh, Paul says the, in the Corinthians, he says, don't you know that you are the temple of God, writing to the Corinthian Christian church? So, you know, um, it seems to indicate that this Antichrist power, number one, is going to come up from inside the sacred halls of Christendom. Mm. Not not somewhere out there somewhere, but within the church, within um, the profession, those who profess the name of Jesus, that uh, this problem would, would, would take place. Mark, what you say uh, there... That means that, you know, most people today, they think that Antichrist will be a secular political leader, as you mentioned a bit earlier, all those leaders in history. But the Bible is clear the Antichrist will come from the world of religion. Yes, it's it's true. And even when we, we talked about the second coming a week ago or so on our drive-by program, one of the great uh, signs was uh, Jesus in Matthew 24. He's, he's telling his, his people so many times, don't be deceived. False prophets and false Christ will arise from among you. Mm-hmm. Even the apostle Paul spoke that, you know, he, he'd hardly be cold in the grave when there would arise amongst the Christian leadership those who would 
would guide away people after themselves, you know, uh, into, into false theories and so forth. Um, now it's very interesting that, um, that it, what the early Christian church, um, had to say about this antichrist. Paul went on, by the way, in this passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He said to them, he, want, he reminded them what he had taught them about the Antichrist. He said, don't you remember that when I was still with you, I, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Now, sounds a bit cryptic, Nick, I know, to yep. our listeners perhaps, but Paul is simply saying there is a power restraining the manifestation of this man of sin power or this antichrist. That's what he's simply saying. There is, And he said, you know what's what's restraining the manifestation or the rise of this man of sin antichrist. Um, he's restraining, but uh, when he's taken out of the way, when this restraining power is taken out of the way, then the man of sin is going to rise up within the church and, you know, within the world and will be fully revealed. Now, it's very, very clear what the early church believed about all this. And I'm just going to quote to our listeners the writings of an early church father. Not that I give a lot of credence, you know, to these church fathers. I'd rather get back to the church grandfathers. They were the apostles um, who wrote the New Testament. But but one of these church fathers, Tertullian, lived in the latter end of the uh, the second century AD and into the early third century. And he wrote uh, an apology or a defense of the Christian face. Uh, Christian faith uh, to the Romans, and he quotes the Apostle Paul about this man of sin and about this power that is restraining the manifestation of this man of sin in the world. And this is what he said. What obstacle is there but the Roman state, the falling away of which by being scattered into ten kingdoms shall introduce Antichrist upon its own ruins? Now, here, here is Tertullian, a Christian writer, a uh, theologian, <clears throat> and he wrote, quoting Paul's passage, and he said, look, it's the Roman power, the Roman Empire, that is restraining or holding back the rise and the manifestation of this man of sin antichrist in the world. And he said, when the Roman Empire falls, falls away, it will be scattered into ten kingdoms, or the Roman Empire will be broken up into ten kingdoms, and then the Antichrist will appear. That's what he said back in the um, second and third century. Now, he also said in his same defense of the Christian faith, he said this. He actually prayed for the continuation of the Roman Empire, and this is what he said. There is also another and a greater necessity for our offering prayer in behalf of the emperors. And, and indeed for the complete stability of the whole Roman Empire and for the Roman interest in general, but because we know that a mighty shock impending over the whole earth, in fact, the very end of all things threatening dreadful woes, is only retarded by the continued existence of the Roman Empire. And we have no desire to be overtaken by these dire events, and so it, we're praying that their coming may be delayed and we are lending our aid to Rome's duration. Now here's a Christian guy he wants Rome to continue, the pagan Roman Empire, if you please. He wants that Roman Empire to continue because he knows from the prophet Daniel that when the Roman Empire would fall, there would be ten kingdoms that would arise, and among them would come 
the dreaded Antichrist. And no one back then who was a Christian wanted to face the dreaded Antichrist, and so they were praying for the continuation of the Roman Empire. (laughs) Absolutely. And as uh, we mentioned, uh, Paul saying that the Antichrist is already at work, but talking about here, about the manifestation of the Antichrist, and particularly in the context we are going to look a little bit more now, uh, for the time of the end, just yes. before the uh, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you mentioned here about uh, uh, a power who will arise after the falling of the um, pagan Rome. And uh, you talk about the ten horns. Now, this is what I would like to explore a little bit more, Mark, uh, uh, next, but I would like to just take a short break here now, play a song, and uh, we'll come back to talk about the little horn a little bit and the power who will arise. Mm. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. This is Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A.
Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Nick Krita and our co-host today is Pastor Mark Wilson. What a wonderful song, uh, Mark, uh, about the ancient words and we should allow the Bible to speak for us today also. We are talking about uh, who is the Antichrist. And just before the break, uh, Mark, we are uh, uh, mentioning about, you know, uh, how people interpret Uh, and look at this aspect of who is the Antichrist. We said before the break that we are going now to explain a little bit more about that power, which comes in place after the falling away, uh, you know, falling apart of the um, uh, pagan Rome. Yes, indeed, uh, Nick. And um, Tertullian, this Christian um, a bishop in the early century, in the second and early third century AD, had wrote his apology to defend Christendom. Um, he wrote this to the Roman Empire, and um, he certainly shone, shone a torch uh, upon a great uh, prophetic writing in the book of Daniel because he said in his, um, uh, his apology that uh, he said the Roman, it's the Roman Empire that is restraining the emergence and rise onto the stage of the prophetic stage of the great antichrist power of Bible prophecy. And he said the Roman Empire would fall away and up would come, would be, sc- would be scattered into ten kingdoms and then antichrist would come up upon the ruins of the Roman Empire. That's what Tertullian said and he's writing. Now, where did he get that from? Well, he got it from the book of Daniel. And in particular, he got it from chapter 7 of Daniel and I'd really want to encourage our listeners today, if they're driving about or at home listening, they should open up the book of Daniel and read it. Short, not a big chapter, but it has a vision which um, uh, describes um, a little horn and identifying marks of the Antichrist power and also an interpretation. So let's, let's read a passage, uh, Nick, right here, in, right here in Daniel chapter 7, verse 2 and 3. He says, Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night, And behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. Now, that's the first part of the vision. Yep. He sees um, wind stirring the great sea. He's probably in vision. He's referring perhaps to the Mediterranean, the great sea. And the winds, stormy winds were blowing. And one beast after another climb up out of the brine of the sea, um, one succeeding the other, <clears throat> one after another. Now, what might this represent? Obviously, it's a prophetic vision. It has symbolic um, meaning to it, but the Bible certainly interprets its own symbols and it doesn't make it very hard to understand at all. First of all, winds blowing on the sea. The Bible refers to winds as uh, representing war and strife and conflict upon, amongst nations or powers. For example, um, Jeremiah over there in chapter 49 and verse 36, it says, against Elam or against Babylon, I will bring the four winds. I'll bring disaster upon them and I will send the sword after them. So, you know, even today we speak of the winds of war and strife. In fact, I remember Herman Wook and his great book, The Winds of War, speaking of the Second World War. So winds uh, represent strife and conflict war what about the sea well the bible also interprets the symbol of the sea where these beasts rise up from in daniel's uh, prediction 
in Revelation 17 and verse 15 that describes the waters which you saw, and in giving an interpretation of this sea or waters, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And I'll tell you what, Nick, that's what I like about the Bible. We don't have to speculate what these things in the symbolic prophetic visions of Daniel or John uh, represent because the Bible gives its own explanation of these things. So we have strife and war and and the sea represents peoples, nations, uh, language groups. So we have war amongst people, mm-hmm. amongst nations and, and people. So in this tumultuous kind of um, a time with um, nations against nations and so forth, we have one nation rising up after another. Now, a beast represents just that, or a beast or an animal in Bible prophecy simply represents kingdoms. As it says in the interpretation in Daniel of this vision, in Daniel 7 and verse 17, those great beasts, those four beasts or four animals which he saw, are four kings. Hmm. And then in verse 23, he says the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom upon the How simple is that? That is just so easy. A kingdom represents, or, or a beast in prophecy represents a kingdom. And Daniel saw four of them. And we use the same thing today. In fact, um, I've been watching a bit of a bit of Olympics in the lockdown, Nick. <laughs> yeah, and Mark, just while you're saying that, uh, mentioning about um, the chapter seven in Daniel, how nicely that parallels actually with Daniel chapter two, when Correct. also yes. we talked about we talked about all the aspects of uh, you know history and the four uh, empires. The four um, empires, yes, yeah, Babylon. Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome were the four empires of Daniel 2. And here we got four beasts. Really, uh, we're looking at the same sweep of history here in Daniel 2 and chapter 7. And beasts representing kingdoms. Um, I was I was watching the swimming the other night and people holding up, you know, the, the family that were there holding up a kangaroo. <laughs> and because uh, we know a kangaroo represents Australia like a kiwi represents New Zealand or an eagle, the United States, that is that is used to emblems, animals, birds uh, that, that represents kingdoms. Well, the Bible does that. In fact, the Bible was the first to do that, where these nations of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome are represented by these four beasts in, in Daniel chapter 7. Yep. <clears throat> so as we go through, we could just say that these four beasts that he saw, the first one, of course, was a lion that had eagle's wings. And this represents um, a Babylon. In fact, um, if ever international travel opens up and, and if ever uh, Iraq opens up, I want to fly to Iraq and go to Babylon um, because the, the lion represented the ancient city of Babylon um, that was built by King Nebuchadnezzar back in the 6th century BC. And there's a lions are all over Babylon as a symbol of that great nation. Um, the Bible even speaks of a lion as a symbol of Babylon in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 7, speaking of um, the Babylonian Empire coming up. Um, it re- referred to this power as a lion. And um, the eagle, it, this lion has eagle's wings, and, and the, the wings represent the, the swiftness of a nation in their conquest. Um, again, in Jeremiah chapter 4, it, it says that this Babylonian power would come and his chariots, and his horses are swifter than eagles. It uses eagles as a symbol of speed, of conquest. Yeah. So, you know, the Bible is detailed. It doesn't leave anything for speculation. It tells us, you know, so a beast or an animal in Bible prophecy represents a nation. Um, you know, in this case, uh, the lion represents Babylon. And then there was a bear that came following 
the, the lion, um, and the bear was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth, it said. And that we know in history, this is a simple history for us, that the power that conquered Babylon was the great Medo-Persian Empire that was resident in the country we called Iran. A couple of years ago, I visited Iran and visited the ancient ruins of the, um, the Persian Empire. But so this was the bear that conquered Babylon, and it conquered three provinces that were ruled over by Babylon. This is symbolized by the three ribs in its mouth mm-hmm. um, and so on. And uh, it, it um, conquered these areas. And the, but the bear wasn't to, to last. Uh, there was a third beast, and Daniel 7 says this third beast was like a leopard, and it had four wings. The lion had two wings. This had four wings of the bird, and it had four heads. And if anyone knows our history, the power that conquered Persia was? Greece. Greece, under the great Alexander the Great. Uh, although um, many wouldn't think he's great, but he certainly conquered greatly, um, Alexander. And the four heads of the leopard, you know, when Alexander died after his conquest of Persia, and he, he took over a vast, uh, all over, across Europe, the Mediterranean, Middle East, and so forth, Alexander ruled, and when he died, he had no remaining heir. His generals fought it out for 20 years, and then the kingdom split into four under his four generals, uh, represented by the four heads. Again, the Bible is very precise, um, detailing the symbol of the bear uh, of the leopard, the four-headed leopard as the kingdom of Greece. And then a fourth beast was to come following Greece, and uh, this was the great empire of Rome, the Iron Monarchy of Rome that ruled oh, longer than the others, um, ruled from 168 BC down to the beginning of the Middle Ages, 476 AD. Rome ruled for 644 years Yeah, from uh, Rome, a very powerful kingdom. And as you read the description in Daniel, it describes it as such. But it was to fall, and it would fall, and then it spoke of ten kings that would arise from the fall of this Roman Empire, or ten kingdoms, and that's exactly what happened in history. It wasn't a, a fifth empire that conquered Rome, but it kind of disintegrated from within, and um, a number of kingdoms came up out of that, uh, independent kingdoms across uh, Europe and uh, the, uh, that was established upon the ruins of the Roman Empire. And we know some of them today. Uh, for example, um, you had um, uh, a tribe called the Anglo-Saxons that were up there in England. Yes. And um, then we have the Frank, the Frankish kingdom, which we know now today as France. The Alamanni was another group. Uh, they became Germany. The Burgundies um, became Switzerland. There was a group called the Visigoths over in Spain and, and, and so forth. And, um, you know, 10 of them uh, that became today what we would call Western Europe. And so the countries, more or less, that have descended from the breakup of the Roman Empire to what we call Western Europe. But then quickly, and we've got to do this in bullet point, Nick, with time. That's what I was going to say. We have uh, maybe six, seven minutes the most. I know. (laughs) But let me give it to you in bullet points. Let our listeners please read Daniel 7 and uh, have a look at it all. We we have a little horn that comes up among the ten horns. Now, this is simple. It's not hard history. It's not speculative interpretation. It is just clear uh, history. Um, Roman Empire fell, and there came up various separate kingdoms, about 10 kingdoms that came up. We call it Western Europe today. And the Bible says that as those 10 horn kingdoms would arise, another little horn would arise among them. 
Now, if we're going to ask the question, where are, where in, in the world are we to look for the emergence of the great little horn antichrist? We can answer that question. It's not going to be in America. It's not going to be in Australia. It's, it won't be in China or Russia. It will be in Europe, in Western Europe, because that is where the fall of the Roman Empire and where these horn kingdoms, these other kingdoms, came up amongst uh, after the fall of the Roman Empire. So we have the location, Western Europe, and we have the timing because Rome fell. Historians tell us, they give us a date to this, you know, it's uh, 476 AD when the last Roman emperor was deposed in Rome. And it was in the 4th and 5th centuries that these the breakup of the Roman Empire took place. That's just plain history. And the little horn would arise in Western Europe upon the ruins of the fall of the Roman Empire. And that's just what happened. And then it says that this, um, this kingdom, this horn kingdom, would pluck out three of those other little horn kingdoms, other horn kingdoms would, would be plucked out as the little horn was rising up. I, I, I like to explain to people this is like when you have your baby teeth and your baby teeth, they're sort of your, your, your big ad, adult teeth sort of push out your baby teeth. So it's like this little horn, as it rose, it pushed away and pushed out and uprooted three other of these kingdoms. And in history, these three kingdoms um, were, well, I, I can't show a picture on radio, but these were the kingdoms of the Heruli, the Vandals, and the Ostrogoths, who all controlled Italy at one stage or another. And um, these horn kingdoms were uprooted. And later on, after they were uprooted, a group called the Lombards came down into Italy, and the ancient name for Italy used to be Lombardy. Mm-hmm. But um, these other kingdoms were uprooted from Italy, and they were the, the three horns that the Bible says, you know, were uprooted. And they were uprooted. Anyone can just go and check their history. This is just plain history. Um, and then another identifying mark of this little horn power would be that it would be um, it would speak blasphemous words, pompous words against God, and it would persecute the saints of the Most High. It would persecute God's people, Nick. In other words, this power would arise in Western Europe and probably even pointing to Italy, because this is where these other horn kingdoms were destroyed. Um, it would speak blasphemous words and have a history of religious intolerance because it's persecuting the saints of the Most High. That's exactly what the Bible says. Yes. And it would seek to change God's times, his sacred times and laws. And that's what it says. People can read it in Daniel 7. It's right there. So we have a number of identifying marks um, that it would arise in Western Europe uh, from the fall of the Roman Empire. It would be a little kingdom. It's a little horn, but it would it would have great uh, power. A little kingdom, but great power. Um, it would arise after the the ten kingdoms uh, arose. So this is putting us down into the uh, the fifth century AD, after the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, also, it would overcome three political powers, three of those kingdoms that that dominated Italy. They were uprooted in its rise to power. Um, and then we would have it would be different from the other ten horns. The other kingdoms were just political kingdoms, but this one, you know, it would be religious as well because it would persecute, it would have a history of religious intolerance, um, persecuting people who don't believe the same way. It would speak blasphemies, and that's an interesting one. 
blasphemy is um, is claiming the prerogatives that belong to God alone and so forth. So we have these identifying marks. Yep. And, and even claiming power to change God's sacred times and laws. And all of these identifying marks have to be fulfilled in this little horn antichrist power. That's why today all these views of um, some kind of um, coronavirus thing linked to the beast and mark of the beast is a whole lot of gobbledygook, Nick, mm. because Daniel 7 has nothing to do with that. And around the, you know, around the place when I've taken meetings, I've simply gone around and identified these 10 identifying marks from Daniel 7 in a very simple way and asked people, who do they think, based on these identifying marks, who, who is the only power in history that f- could fulfill these identifying marks? And let me tell you, this is not a two-sided question. It's a one-sided question because there's only one power in all of human history who fulfills all 10 of these identifying marks. Yeah. You know, a power that arises in Western Europe, and we can point the finger towards Italy because where these other three horns were, kingdoms were uprooted, would become great um, and, and would dominate for right through the Middle Ages, would speak blasphemous words, even seeking to change times and laws of God. It would become the greatest power in Western Europe. It would dominate all the other kingdoms of Europe. And it would arise up within the church, we're told from Paul in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, after a great falling away in the church. Now, look, if that doesn't start pointing the finger somewhere, I don't know what does, Nick. Yes. And, and Mark, um, I just want to mention now uh, and to our listeners that they really need to join us again uh, tomorrow for the second part of this program, because we are going to um, expand a little bit more and talk about the characteristics of this power, this little horn. But our time is uh, up for today, uh, Mark, and I just wonder uh, if you could uh, say in just a few words a little prayer uh, before we close in. Yes, indeed. Heavenly Father, we've just um, been able to look at this briefly, but we do want to leave this on a good note, that the, the, the greatest truth of the Bible is not the truth of the Antichrist, but the truth of the true tri- the true Christ. And to him, we want to find our, our meaning and our hope and our salvation. We just thank you, Lord, that you reveal things very simply for us so we can understand them. We trust that we can study Daniel chapter 7 and be clear that all the identifying marks uh, point in one direction. But even that said, we want to make sure we have our faith relationship with the true Christ, not the Antichrist, but the true Christ. That's the one we want to be in relationship with. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And thank you for listening today on Drive Time Big Q&A with Mark Wilson, our co-host, and Nick Rita. We invite you to join us again next time when we'll continue to look into the second part of who is the Antichrist. Now, also, I'd like to just mention to you that you can send us a text, and I would like to give you an offer, and this offer will be available for this program and next program, um, and the offer is called The Bride, The Beast, and Babylon. And uh, you'll have that DVD in your hands if you like. Again, that number is 0488880811. I would like to leave you now with the song and uh, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus. 
Thy light shall guide me 